0: Well, hello, and welcome to The Big Leap. This is about discovering your big leap life purpose. So, Gay, you've got a great story you're going to be sharing.
1: Yes, I am. I'm going to tell you the moment where I finally figured out what my life purpose was and then how it affected every moment of my life since then. And it's always got a kind of a aura of illumination around it for me as one of my turning point In life. And so that's what we're all about here is uh, giving a forum for people to talk about and learn about how to make those big leaps where you go from one field into another field or from one way of seeing the world into another way of seeing the world. So what was going on at that time and how can we use that to um, help everybody on earth make their big leaps? So that's what I'm up to. All
0: right. So I'm going to be sharing some of my big leaps and also my reinventions that I've gone through uh, throughout my life. Because for me, I haven't had just one big leap. I've had a whole bunch of them. And our goal is to give you the tools, resources, and the guide and the guidance to get there. So all that and more on this episode of The Big Leap. All right. Well, here we are. Hi, Gay Hendricks.
1: Hello, Mike Koenigs. How are you today?
0: I'm darn good. Darn good. Just got off of a big run through the canyon in San Clemente Canyon this morning. It's been absolutely beautiful. And uh, it's nice to be here with you. So if I look a little schwitzy, I'm still a little schwitzy. But um, well, we're talking all about uh, Big Leap Life Purpose today... And I know for you, you had a big crisis that uh, defined you and what you're doing today. So you want to open up and share that
1: story? Sure. It happened at a time where from the outside, it looked like I had it made. I had kind of jumped to a new level. But as I point out in The Big Leap, oftentimes when you have a big upsurge of love or money or fame, it trips old mechanisms inside that brings up fears, and then you shut yourself back down. And so what happened for me was, since I was about maybe 15 years old, I took a fix, I wanted to be a college professor, a university professor. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to teach. But that was always my goal. But suddenly, I got bitten by the counseling psychology bug when I was 22 years old, and uh, went back and uh, got my master's degree in counseling. And then I applied to Stanford and got into my Stanford PhD program and this is all taking place around 1970 about 50 years ago. And so at the time I worked my way like crazy through Stanford hardest work I'd ever done in my life and I got my PhD and I was about to start my first job as a university professor at the University of Colorado. So that's what I mean it looked like I had it made I'd made my dream come true. And Yet about a week before I was supposed to start my new job, I'd already moved to Colorado and rented a cabin out in the woods and really was having a great time communing with nature. And I had a panic attack one day when I realized, oh, my God, I know all of the textbook stuff, but I don't know anything in my heart and soul about what it takes to have human beings transform their lives. In graduate school, I'd learned umpteen dozen different marriage counseling techniques and umpteen dozen different anxiety treating techniques and all of the techniques. But there's something different about I'd never really had a person sit with me where I did my own natural work with them and they changed. And so I knew there was something down in there I was missing. So I had this once-in-a-lifetime once experience, though, where I, I realized, you know, I've always asked, asked those kind of questions of professors or authority figures. Why don't I just ask myself and the universe? I was standing out in the woods at the time I came across this idea. And so I just said out loud to the universe and to myself, what is the essence of human transformation? What is it that we need to do To transform ourselves. And I phrased it the backwards way. I said, what is it that we keep doing that endarkens ourselves rather than enlightens ourselves? And so it was those questions. And I just stood there for a little while and felt the question rather than trying to circulate through my mind. Then the magic happened. I got this amazingly powerful roar of energy through my body that seemed to come from the ground up and went all the way up through my body and my mind it was like kind of a freight train of white light i might call it but it felt good it was not a scary thing at all it was this rolling wave of energy that passed through me and after it passed through me i realized that it had answered my question and What I mean by that is the information it left behind was the following thing, that the one thing we do wrong as human beings that keeps us stuck is we resist what's going on inside ourselves and we resist feedback that's coming in from the outside. So we take a stance of resistance toward the world and out of that stance of resistance, our experience roughens up. Life starts to treat us more harshly simply because of the closed downness of ourselves not being open to learning at that particular point. And so it's that defensive posture that keeps us stuck. And then I had this other realization that said, how would I deal with that? What is the only way to transform that? And then the rest of the information came through, which is the only way to transform ourselves first is to let ourselves be exactly where we are and love ourselves for being there. Instead of judging ourselves for being where we are or shaming ourselves for being there. When I realized we need to simply first just feel where we are and then love ourselves for being there. And I did that. I I simply wandered around and kind of staggered around, frankly, out in the woods for a while, just loving all the parts of myself that I'd never been able to love before until that moment. And so I'd had medical problems uh, with my thyroid going back to the day I was born that made me a fat kid. And I was busily loving that and then feeling losses in my life, like uh, my grandmother, who raised me, uh, losing her when I was 21 years old, which was a big moment of my life. And so going back through all of those things that were hard to love in myself and just loving those systematically. And then what happened at the end of that was I ended up in this beautiful state of being both open to myself and open to the world around me. I was standing in the woods and I was feeling these beautiful sensations of liberation in myself and also listening to the birds tweet and appreciating the golden glow of the aspen leaves that I was standing amongst. So it was this magical moment of being completely free of my programming and having no expectations of the future, just being. And that left behind a meta tool for transformation in me so that when I started to work with people again, I would encourage them to feel their way into where they were not to try to talk them out of it in any way. So to feel and understand why you might be depressed or feel and understand why your anxiety is a natural thing for you to be having, then we can begin to change it. But it's the act of opening up and accepting ourselves and loving ourselves as we are that opens up the space to move into something new, like a new conscious commitment about what you want to be doing differently in your life. And so that became a touchstone moment for me of actually feeling for the first time in my heart and soul what it really took to make human transformation take place. So that was a moment for me that changed everything. It led to a a more precise definition of my life purpose, but I want to tell that part of the story after I've checked in with you, Mike, and find out how this is resonating with you.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting because, um, I expected something kind of different and it was, uh, delightful because a lot of this has to do with really who you are as a feeler, as an educator, as a author, as a creator and how you look at life. And, um, when I wrote my notes for what i was going to talk about you know my breakthrough moments because first of all the title of this is discovering your big leap life purpose um you know so much of my life purpose had to do with um not just discovering who i was but um what i was great at and where my value was and and so much of my life had to do with um understanding where what was valuable in me and what the world saw as valuable in other words what i could exchange um either my time my intellect or my beingness for money in order to survive you know that was a huge part of my primary driver because i grew up without uh financial resources it, it was like i started working the, the first day i i turned 16 on my 16th birthday full time And um, and it was always, how do I improve and increase my value so I can make more and have freedom? So my 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 search has been in freedom and in time, freedom, money, freedom, creativity, freedom, expression, freedom. But it began from a financial perspective. And so um, I think the, the the core thing is I was delighted that as I listened to you, I started thinking through a completely different lens and reexamining um, how I was going to react and respond and, and tell my own story. So um, I think the question I have for you then is if you're going to look back at all of these things and boil it down and say, um, as Gay Hendrix, my life purpose is. X, What would you say to that question? And what would you say your highest value is that you provide to other people by being in your most being est state?
1: Yes. Well, what I teach all my students is that the space you come from is the main thing that does the work for you. Not the things you do in that space, but just the space you come from. And for me, I put it in one sentence. My life purpose is to expand every day in love, creativity, and abundance as I go about inspiring other people to do the same. So take it down into its separate beats. So I expand. That's my verb every day. That's my by when. I expand every day in love because that's to me the most important thing. Creativity hugely important and abundance as I go about teaching other people how to do the same. So I want to live a life and have been greatly blessed and privileged to live a life, certainly for the last 40 years where I get to do my life purpose every day. I get to spend my days and nights thinking about exactly what I want to be thinking about. And it's always about, What can I be doing in my work or in my writing to assist people in expanding their experience of love, their experience of their own creativity and their experience of abundance to the extent that they want? Some people want to live a very, very simple life and bless their hearts. I have a big life. I enjoy a big life. I enjoy living in the house I love, and I enjoy having the car I love, and I enjoy being able to do everything I want to do. It was freedom that got me started as a university professor because I knew that at the University of Colorado, the last class was on May 15th, and the next one wasn't until latter part of August. So June, July, and most of August was my time to write a new book or my time to go trekking in the Lake District of England or hiking in the Himalayas or whatever I wanted to do for a few months, but it was freedom. And so one of the high values for me is to what can I do to create more freedom for me and other people? If I'm doing that every day, hmm, that's my life. uh, I've created a job I wouldn't ever want to retire from. And Literally, I hope to be doing exactly what we're doing now in one form or the other when I go, you know, conk, and uh, they come and uh, escort me out of the room.
0: All right. I love that. I love that. Um, and that was super powerful, by the way. I, As you were um, describing that, I quickly started uh, writing a few notes because you've obviously thought about the statement before And um, what I want to share with our audience right now, everyone who's watching us, is think about this through your lens. If you were going to create your big leap life statement, you know, if you're discovering your big leap and look for the patterns that have existed since you're young. So um, what I'm going to do right now, Gay, is I'll tell my story as briefly as I can, because um, again, it comes from a slightly different perspective, and I'd encourage you to just jump in at any time, but I'll I'll break periodically because I'm curious what you see in it and also um, what your perception is as well, just to see if my own self-perception is accurate. Because I, I also think that that's important is there's a distinction as we grow, the difference between what's delusional and what is accurate, observationally accurate or what is a future paced version of yourself. So mm-hmm. here, here goes. Um, <clears throat> so when I look back at my life, one of my breakthrough moments, cause I, I wasn't good at school. I didn't like it. I never liked going to school. I was raised a Catholic and spent through 12 years of parochial education and, and never once did I resonate with the message um, or the environment it was very uh, anti freedom like anti creativity anti innovation to me and um so that's number 1 um so when i was about 14 years old i always loved technology taking things apart and i was very um hands on oriented and, and one of the best things about growing up is my dad had a lot of tools and uh, we had a huge uh, environment. So I started, you know, he gave me a bandsaw when I was five years old. Thank God I've got my fingers. But I mean, and I loved fire and blowing things up and taking things apart. So some people would call it destructive. I like to explore expansive properties of things. So I, I innately learned quite a bit about uh, chemistry, biology. We had guns. You know, it's like we had, I was outdoors a lot. But around uh, 14, a neighbor who knew I loved technology uh, came over and we didn't have money for a computer, but he loaned us an Apple II computer while he was away for a week. And I taught myself how to code. And at that point, I was so bad in school that our math teacher wouldn't let me have access to the computer room. So the only way I was learning how to program and do technology stuff is that a buddy whose father worked for, he was a professor at the university... And we'd go up and play games on the Apple II computers. we get access, and I'd hang out with college kids and just learn through osmosis. Well, what happened over that period of a week is I taught myself enough code that I started writing games, and um, I got dangerous, and my dad started telling me, clients at the barbershop my dad owned a barbershop and he'd be cutting hair and he'd say yeah my son's programming computers and stuff and someone in the chair eventually said hey we just got computers at our office do you think he could come over and show us how to use them he says well let's give him a call so dad called me up and at this point like i'm 16 years old already working full-time he says i'm sitting here with roger he's uh Got an insurance, a prudential uh, life insurance company and a secretary and then just got a computer. Do you think you could come over and help him figure out how to use it? And I'm like, yeah. What would you charge? I don't know. And I must have said 10 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour at the time, whatever it was. This is back when minimum wage, I'm sure, was like four bucks an hour, three, 385 or something like that. So um, I went over and just got immersed, started figuring stuff out. And one thing led to another, but what it led to is I really started to figure out human psychology computers, but I also, uh, right around then, um, the movie war games came out. I think it was around then, but I got really inspired by the idea of hacking and I taught myself how to hack. So that turned into one thing turned into another. So if you fast forward, so the theme here is hacking and technology, if you advance a little bit further. I got a, my first real job writing code for a company, um, in my hometown. And I was about 18, 19 years old that lasted for a few years. But in the meantime, what I really wanted to do, if you'd said, what do you want to do when you grow up? It'd be like, I want to write video games. So at the time I was hacking and figuring out how to remove copy protection for video games and started coding a little bit. And I met a guy who said, I know a guy who runs a game company And he's very he'd be very interested in your hacking skills. But we ended up having a conversation and this guy gave me a challenge. He says, if you can write me a prototype video game in 30 days, I'll hire you. And this is when the Macintosh first came out. So I had a Mac, taught myself how to write. and I wrote a little video game.
1: Now, is this before games like Pac-Man and that kind of thing?
0: Yeah. So this is Pac-Man was probably in like the 70s, the late 70s. This would have been in the in the later 80s, mid mid 80s. So called around 88, 89, um, that area, you know, 87, 88. So it was 10 years after Pac-Man. But it was like when there was it was video games are still huge. and It was the earlier days of computer video games, you know, before there was an Xbox and consoles, that kind of thing. You know, it'd be like later ones but it was Mac days. So what, what happened though, is um, I learned later on the guy who started this company, not only created video games, he created software that removed copy protection, but he also (laughs) created copy protection. He was on all three sides of this game. Right. And uh, he liked the fact that I liked that too. And we could talk on and he was very, very esoteric. This guy knew a lot about everything. Um, and, And he never, I don't think he ever even graduated from seventh grade. He grew up in an, as an engineer, his father owned a, a machine shop. So we had a lot in common because we both consider ourselves unemployable, uneducated louts. And, uh, and so where, where that drove to though, is along the way I met a guy named Dean Hires. Dean and his brother, John, had created and made five feature length science fiction movies before they graduated college and they were they used stop motion they used super 8 and um and they of course they were influenced by star trek star wars so we're total nerds and the other thing that i was doing at the time is i had a midi studio so i had early synthesizers and i loved audio engineering and i wasn't a great performer my dad was a very good performer a guitarist and singer and that kind of thing i always played accompaniment um uh instruments but I knew computer music. I knew how to assemble it. So here's this guy. And I also was doing computer graphics, really early computer graphics. So I had a little studio audio, you know, animation. And I was like a dream come true for Dean and his brother. And they were a dream come true for me. And we started collaborating and writing concepts for video games and movies. And we got, um, we ended up meeting through some chance meeting the guy who was the Coen brothers, first executive producer producers names, uh, Dan Buchaner. Um, so the very first, um, Coen brothers movie was a horror flick. Can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I'll look at it. Blood up. Simple blood. Yeah. I think it was blood. Yeah. Was it? Yes. And, um, anyway, this guy would meet with us every week or every other week at a little Jewish diner and review our scripts with us and tell us what was good and what wasn't good. And, um, Along the same time, uh, the video game company I was working for got bought, so that went away. Dean ha- was working as like a social worker. Basically, he had like a background in psychology, so he just had the worst job ever, and we both hated our our, our second jobs that we had, and we got laid off from those uh, in, like within a day of each other, and uh, my pr- previous wife at the time, my first wife, my starter wife, um, worked around and in the the ad agency world doing pre-press. So, um, and I met some of the clients and some of the people who had these things because I always went over there and the truth was that was one of the hubs for pirate software. So, you know, again, I still had this huge hacking background and I knew everyone in the underground um, and one of the main guys happened to work at this place and he introduced me to a whole bunch of potential future clients. So Dean and I started doing Animation work and Photoshop work before there was even a, f- a full Photoshop program hmm. for ad agencies. We picked up a couple of gigs through my wife's business. And suddenly we decided, what if we could combine filmmaking, animation, gaming, and creativity in one place? And that became one of the very first digital marketing agencies called Digital Cafe. If you fast forward a little bit. So here's the theme we started hacking uh, advertising and marketing and adding new technology. And, um, and you know, one thing led to another, I started getting on some of the earliest services like CompuServe and Apple link and Delphi, some of the really early, early, um, uh, trying to think of some of the other ones prodigy. So before there was an internet, there were these services and I got on there and I started just chatting with people and uploading some of the products we were doing. They were like, basically video games that demonstrated software. We did stuff for BMW. We did movie promos. And I, we started getting gigs in Hollywood. So again, fast forward, we ended up doing a video game for Chex uh, and General Mills that got shipped in eight six million boxes of breakfast cereal called Chex Quest. And um, again, hacking, putting all these things together. Well, the net net is when that company got bought Dean and I ended up making a feature film together. We raised some money, did a feature film. that was called Bill's Gunshot. And I started studying online marketing, hacking again, hacking search engines. That turned into two software companies. I met Ariel Ford, learned the publici- publicity world. But if you fast forward, when Amazon started doing books, I figured out how to hack the publishing platform. So if you fast forward through everything, the common theme is, shortcuts, hacking, applying technology. And really what I do now is um, I help people hack their own reinventions, you know, because ultimately everything is about how do you craft and create a message, get it heard by the greatest number of people, package you effectively and use technology. And if you learn how to hack, it means you're bypassing the status quo, the way things have been done in the past. And, um, you know, like you, I've, I'm kind of working on my statement, but I'm going to stop here for a moment and just say, what did you hear? And do you have any questions or thoughts about the.
1: Yes. Uh, It has to do with the why underneath it all. Um, you know, like I was just, um, had the poignant experience over the past week or so of, uh mourning the death at age 87 after a remarkably full life of one of my great mentors in my life, who is a professor at the University of New Hampshire named Dr. Dwight Webb. And Dwight Webb was one of the first human beings I ever met who was fully in touch with his emotions and could have a easeful conversation with his wife about some conflict they were having. But, you know, it was such a different way of being than I'd ever seen before. Nobody ever shouted at each other or threatened to leave or anything. I was in and out of his house all the time because that's the way he was with his students. He would invite you over on Thursdays to hang out at his house and have a kind of a round table. But anyway, um, now, 50 years later, what I really appreciate about him and how he changed my life so much. He was the first person to really look at me and say, Hey, why are you doing what you're doing? You, you want to be a professional in the mental health field, but why, what is underneath that? And, you know, it's interesting uh, because you and I come from, I didn't even realize this until this moment, but for me, why I do things is I really like to find the quickest way through something, you know, that what can, what's the single quickest thing I can do to help this person move through their depression or what's the single quickest thing I can do to help this person get their anxiety out of their body this moment. So it's a form of hacking in a way a way. When I first started in the field, there was only one form of, of, therapy and, you know, psychoanalysis. And it took years. And, you know, there these studies about or stories about Woody Allen, who'd been seeing the same therapist every day for 25 years. But, you know, when you look at Woody Allen, you say, hmm, <laughs> did that really help? Uh, and so I got interested yeah, in finding yeah, out like what,
0: these, is what it sounds like. Yeah, sorry, it sounds like an addiction.
1: Very much so, I think an addiction to avoiding something, probably. Um, But I became fascinated with what I could do in the shortest amount of time to help people and myself move through things. Because, like, even at the time, in my first marriage, which lasted about four years, was from nineteen sixty-seven to seventy or seventy-one, long and there. Even in my first marriage, I was very young. I didn't know anything about relationships, but I. I figured out pretty soon that if you didn't do something different, you kept recycling these same problems over and over again. And after in a period of four years, I probably had the same argument with her 58 different times. And so I realized after a while that arguments all come from the same place they come from something inside we don't know about we don't understand we don't know how to communicate with and so you start blaming the other person instead of finding out what's going on inside and figuring out some way to bring it out in a healing helpful way and so once i figured that out i really lost interest in having marital arguments and as soon as i lost interest in that that relationship broke up because i think that A lot of relationships are based on a why that's not a very good why. It's not a sustainable why. You know, the why of many early marriages is to, um, you know, work out something with your parents. So you end up marrying somebody that's or getting together with somebody that's just like your parents or the complete opposite from them. And so it's kind of a reaction to them. So there's, there's all sorts of troublesome whys. And so that's why I I was asking you what the why is underneath hacking, because I have a feeling it's helping people or helping find a shortcut through something that would normally keep people confused for a very long time.
0: Yeah. So here's uh, here's my answer. Um, I think the first thing it came from a pain, which was um, bad at school, wasn't great at sports. I had to find something I was good at that had value. And um, and the and I didn't have the patience or the character to follow the step by step rote process. And frankly, I, I just despised all forms of authority because at the end of the day, I didn't respect most authority. Like I, I looked down at most of my teachers and thought they're just a bunch of ignorant sheep. <laughs> and and um and also like you know I, I i hated going to church i thought why it's sort of to me uh, uh this is going to sound well i don't care how it sounds I, i'm I'm past caring which is to me the idea of pure hell is going to disney world or disneyland there i'm going to be uh in an uncomfortable hot environment standing on pavement waiting in line and generally speaking, this will sound judgmental, just as it is, massively obese, heavily tattooed, ignorant people talking about stupid stuff. And they're screaming sticky children and there's horrible food. So why would I stand in line around a bunch of pigs? You know, that's my <laughs> judgmental self. Okay. So I know we could unpack that, but it's just, that's how I react to it. I don't like lines. I don't like crowds. I find them excessively dangerous. It'd be like, if someone says something dumb or walks around with a gun i don't want to be around the stampede so i have <laughs> all forms of crowds with what i i feel are crowds of people i don't have any connection with
1: so with well, that uh, there goes there goes our disney sponsorship for our <laughs> podcast by the way
0: as of right now they're having bigger problems than you and i could solve or or uh <laughs> um but But you get the idea anyway. And again, I know that may sound like whatever it is, but I don't need to be unpacked. I'm totally good with who I am. The net net here is, um, uh, so instead, when I, if if someone said, well, in order to get to here, you're going to have to get certified. You're going to have to go through all sorts of training and education. I'm like, how about I figure out how to get there fast and bypass all of the BS and everything is hackable? And provide the value instead of, um, you know, feeding someone else's process. I I think it's just, I like breaking stuff. You know, it's like, I like taking it apart and putting it back together. And also I love working with the person, not with the system. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And so um, if you ask like, what's my statement, here's what I know I've been fascinated with is how and why people decide what they decide, what influences, what persuades them. And what I've arrived at is it's all about a story. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is what is, how can you tell a story with the fewest number of words that captivates someone and makes them say, I want you in the shortest period of time with whatever medium is possible. So, no, I've dedicated my life to figuring out how, how to persuade with audio, with video, with text, with copy. So in every medium possible, and you and I were talking about this before we, we started today. It's like, how do you create a, a movie that you'd love to watch about your own life or someone else's life? So, um, and I'm fascinated with people's superpowers, their unique abilities. I really do believe that we are expressions of God. Um, and, and as in, and as a human being an incarnate ego in the flesh, um, we're just, gr- we have a, a, an opportunity, a responsibility to find our unique value and express it and be able to help other people. So mine is, um, elevating and amplifying, Someone else's superpowers or their unique abilities, and packaging them in a way that they're more valuable than they've ever experienced before, and helping them craft the story that gets them the attention they really deserve that can help other people. And then I also believe that entrepreneurship is an international language of peace. I do too.
1: Yes. And so I've had the top brass of um, eBay in my office working with them here. And they see it the same way that, um, you know, I I said to them before I started working to them with them, let's talk about the why of why you're doing this. And I said, in my opinion, eBay does more for world peace every day than a thousand politicians do, because having people at the other end of a trading platform, who's going to want to blow up the other end of their business, you know? And so... um, Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Right. Um, On another, on an upcoming podcast, we're going to get into this whole movie thing and talk about everything from what is a movie that you'd want to see about yourself? What's the end point of it? What's the punchline of it? Where is it going? And uh, look more closely about some of the movies and books that have turned Mike and me on and uh, brought us to where we are here today and that we'd like to talk about with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be a blast. We did a little bit of prep. So here's, let's give our uh, viewers, listeners an exercise to do, because if I looked at it, the key things that I took away, and as I listened to you on on all sides was, first of all, look for the common theme. What, who were you at your core um, growing up? And how is that unique ability, that superpower just showing up over and over again? Um, You know, mine has been hacking. It's just been breaking into and figuring out how to bypass the system or the authority um, in order to get to an endpoint with the fewest number of steps. And for you, Gay, what would you say your recurring theme has been that shows up over and over again?
1: It's how we go about getting through the stuck places of life. It's about finding new ways to efficiently move through things that normally take a long time. And I've discovered that the the healing power really is love and consciousness, that when we can invoke consciousness into ourselves and also learn to love things that we haven't loved in ourselves and other people, then a whole new path through life opens up, that it's a path about you awakening your powers then. And so I think our superpowers are very much connected to the things we most love to do, and particularly to the things we most love to do as children, because they will give you a real insight into your genius zone now. Great.
0: Now I have one more big idea for everyone to contemplate. So when I was listening to you talk about that, <clears throat> I realized uh, my one thing, so I've eliminated pretty much all drama from my life in complexity and after being married now about 20 years um, Vivian and I have definitely figured out how to have a really high quality marriage with love and understanding and compassion and empathy we just don't argue about much at all but I do have one and I was exploring it as I was listening to you which is I hate being misunderstood. So here's the circumstance and it's going to turn into a little exercise. The The thing is, 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 um, I'm going to have some medical treatments done this, this weekend. I'm leaving, uh, with like a stem cell doctor, some advanced stuff. That's just like life extension, all that. And, um, she said, are you, are you still going? And I'm like, I've been I've been scheduled for 4 months. How did you possibly misunderstand that? And we even made a video for this doctor and the video so here's here's the challenge. It it came down I made a video saying, "Hey, I'm just checking in to see if I'm still going to get this treatment, this treatment, this treatment and this treatment in addition to what we had scheduled." Her perspective was she thought I was I was saying I'm not going unless I get these things. I thought I was really clear that I'm going no matter what, but I'm trying to get these other things that we talked about. But like after four months of it being on my calendar, there was a misunderstanding. And as I was listening to you, I was like, I have to take like my weak point is like, if I don't feel like I'm heard, I just get mad and angry. And I realize I have to take full responsibility for being understood and heard and operating with absolute clarity if it's important to me and I can't make it anyone else's responsibility ever. And as simple as that sounds, that's like a major rewiring I had just while we were doing this episode. So that's the, the, the extra exercise I'd like to give to people, which is what is a common thematic source of pain and frustration and anger, misunderstanding and conflict in your life that you see over and over again that you can take absolute responsibility for so it never can happen to you again. And uh, I'm curious if you have anything else that you'd add on to
1: that. Well, that sounds pretty darn good. I think also it just boils down to, again, something I'd really like to leave people to think about too, and that is the the why of why you're doing what you're doing. Is it an expression of you at your essence? Is it an expression of, your love and your singular ability here while we're having our short visit to this planet. Because I know from working with thousands of of people, particularly in the business world, that you never get deep satisfaction until you can bring all of that stuff you love to do online and bring it up in yourself so that you're operating every day in a way that does increase the amount of love and creativity in your life.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. So here's what we should do for all of our listeners, which is we've got more great episodes coming up. Gay and I are just uh, delighted to work with you and for you. And um, we have a couple of asks. One of them is we have the Big Leap Year planned, and you can learn more at bigleappodcast.com, but that's where Gay and I will spend a year with you, elevating you, helping you get from where you are to where you want to be, Um, and all you have to do is apply for it. So head on over to bigleappodcast.com and that's a fantastic way to uh, learn more about this program that we have planned. You'd be coached advised by the two of us applying our superpowers to you. And that's number one. Number two is if you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you head on over to, um, uh, iTunes, give us a, uh, comment, some feedback, a star, um, five stars is great. And share it with someone that you know as well. And Gay, do you have any any other asks or recommendations or suggestions for our listeners at home? Well,
1: be on the lookout for our app. Wanna tell oh. them a little bit about that?
0: Yes. Yeah. So we've got the Big Leap app. It is as of the time we're recording this, it has been published on uh Google Play. Uh we're waiting for Apple's App Store. They have a longer approval process, but chances are by the time you hear this, it will be up. Um, that is a tool that will allow you to communicate directly with gay and me. Um, also you can, um, you can watch us, you can listen to us. One of the things that we have planned is we are going to start broadcasting our recordings as we do them live. So you'll be able to interact with us too and provide feedback, suggestions, ask us questions. We're going to incorporate a level of interactivity and of course, we're going to be delivering the Big Leap Year experience through the app as well. It's just going to be a really great way to have a uh, a real-time connection with Gay and I as we advise you and we coach you and guide you through your own Big Leap Year, helping you overcome your biggest challenges, limitations, and help you accelerate and amplify who you really are. That's
1: what I got, Gay. Sounds good to me, Mike. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in.
0: You got it. Well, we will see you soon. And once again, thank you for uh, joining us. Whether you've been watching us, listening to us, this is The Big Leap. I'm Mike Koenigs. That's Gay Hendricks. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.